Aloha, I'm Ash. Aloha, I'm Matt. We are the Yoga Couple. Welcome back to the Inner Work Podcast. Welcome to Season 2 of the Inner Work Podcast. We're really excited to be back recording, and in Season 2, we have a guest list lined up of some really exciting thought leaders and teachers and healers and authors who will be coming onto the show, so we're really excited about that. And then, of course, Matt and I are just excited to be back ourselves and mm. be resettled in from the craziness of 2018. What the heck <laughs> was 2018? That was a really wild year for us. It was like the most insane surprise one and thing after another year. Yes, we will we are very happy to say as well that our Saturn returns is finally over. Well, one more month, but yeah, much. <laughs> as of January what maybe maybe february but yeah it is oh my god if you guys don't know what saturn return is it's like this really interesting time in astrology it happens about every 30 years where saturn comes back to the same spot where it was when you were born and saturn brings transformation. transformation so it could be really tumultuous and crazy or it could be really uplifting and inspiring and I think for us it was a bit of both it was like Mm. there was so much change yeah and it's almost like through that tumultuousness that's where the good the gold comes from right that's where the positive comes from and that's I feel like what I'm feeling now like don't you feel that as well yeah and I felt like I kept feeling like it was going to be over like oh yes this is the moment where it's going to be over the volcano has erupted we're back on the island and it's going to be better now and then it was like one more thing new things yeah and I'm sure that there's always going to be new things because tis life but I do feel like there's an energetic um, settling happening these were pretty pivotal yeah and I feel like we are flip the page and in a new chapter Mm -hmm. it feels really good to be here it's really good yeah. And really good to be back because honestly, part of us taking, you know, calling season one and taking a hiatus is because of so much transformation going on for us that we just were like, we need to hit pause for a minute, get reset and just do our, our inner work and come back. And now we have so much to share. We're so happy to be back. Yeah, we've been writing the inner work book. We've been, been working on the yeah. blood book with Spirit Woman and everything courses is so and close. So many amazing projects. It was it was really a busy, crazy growth, but beautiful time and all of the fruits of our labor are like starting to come I f- through. I feel like I grew most in this in 2018 than like several of other past years. I agree. Like, so much took place. You especially. You have been... I've been going through a whirlwind, guys. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> like a brand absolute new man. absolute whirlwind. I have just been, like, shedding an entire old person. Yeah, one thing like after Like, old Matthew is not even... If you knew me from a couple of years ago, I'm not him anymore. <laughs> like, I... Oh, it's just crazy. It's crazy. Well, we're excited for you guys to be listening and to get to know the new transformed Matt and Ash. It's right into our topic today, which is all about the themes of consciousness, the process of doing the inner work, the process of evolving as humans, the process of becoming happier. You know, there's so many ways we could say, you could say, you know, it's about becoming self-realized. And in reality, it's just like being human. 
Welcome to being human. You're going to have emotions and influence from all over the world and you're going to constantly be bombarded with things that are true and not true. And all this is going to compile into happiness and suffering and and all this interesting stuff we deal with as humans, right? Yeah, we're kind of on this like roller coaster ride of experience. And part of doing the inner work is being able to self-reflect and do inner inquiry and Mm -hmm. have some awareness about where you are on that ride. Mm -hmm. And the themes of consciousness are like taking your temperature, like taking a thermometer, Mm -hmm. just checking in and being like, you know, where am I on this ride? And and Mm -hmm. why am I reacting this way? Why are my thoughts the way they are? Um, What am I feeling? What's my experience from my internal perspective like and how is that reflecting into the external world and looking at themes of consciousness really help you gauge what's going on and get to the root of things and if you don't really understand themes of consciousness it's a bit difficult to do inner work because um, you don't really have that navigation it's like a map yeah yeah exactly and figuring out where the root of things are so before we even get into it just to give you a perfect example is say you struggle with embarrassment you know that you could come up with all the reasons as to why you're embarrassed. Like, well, there's people around or whatever people are going to think. Yeah, like those are all actually just external. I made a big mistake and it's really yeah. embarrassing or I looked really bad. Mm-hmm. But so why those are just, you... those are just the thoughts, you yeah. know, like if we start to address it from that level, we're not going to really get anywhere. And what themes of consciousness is all about is, yeah, but where's that coming from? What root inherited belief is that really, um, coming from? Where's that suffering? Where's that anxiety and embarrassment even coming from? Because that is not natural. It's not our natural state that was learned somewhere. And that's what the themes of consciousness is all about. If we're not in unconditional love mm. and peace, mm. there's some inner work to be done and some examination to be done. As why am I not at peace? Why am I not in love with myself or with another Mm-hmm. Why am I not at peace? And, and it's not to say there's anything wrong with this. It's part of the beautiful process. It's okay human, yeah. to not be at peace. It's okay to not be in love. Just don't get stuck there. It's part of the experience. And as long as we are examining that, then it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's just a question of if you're on the path and a journey to heal and to suffer less, then you have to do the inner work. You know, like you can stay trapped in your anger you know, like for me, anger is a massive one that I, I've had to really work on. And shame, you know, those are my biggies that I was taught. And we're going to get into that as we go along here. And, you know, I could stay angry. I could keep it as a theme. I could keep defending it and reinforcing it. But if I want to not suffer anymore, I got to work on it. And, look at and I have to heal it. I have to figure out why am I angry in the first place. I have to really get to the core core. Otherwise, I mean you can go about your life and just maintain the same stories, the same cycles, you know? If we're not doing the inner work, we can find so many excuses. Mm, and rationalizations. Rationalizations is the word. That's right. Mm. Rationalizations as to why we feel what we feel. Well, he did this and it hurt my feelings mm. or that didn't go the way I wanted it to or this got really messed up and it's really embarrassing. We can find all these reasons. Inner work is going past the surface level and getting to the root and always remembering that is not actually why. There's something deeper within you that is promoting you to choose that emotion of anger. There's something deep within you that is a pattern. That's why you're reverting to anger. That's why you're reverting to embarrassment. There's something going on deeper, else you won't be feeling it anyways. The external thing that's happening is just a trigger and a simulation for you to look inside yourself. Mm. 
So let's go into themes of consciousness. Yeah, here we go. Here's the basic rundown is as we come across things in life, like we just said, you're always reflecting back on where, what is like the root core issue here. And in our most deepest, like darkest times of suffering, the lowest theme, like the most harmful theme is shame, right? So this is kind of like the bottom of the scale, or shall we say, it's the most lacking of love it's the most suffering and all like heinous crimes and murders and atrocities of this life usually are stemming from this theme of shame it's like the theme of disgrace humiliation rejection of like you're a reject of life a reject of god this is satan right this is like the energy of even god rejected me so you know for some of you maybe like you don't struggle with this but like for me for whatever reason You know, I was born into a family where that energy was projected onto me in the form of making me feel stupid when I made mistakes, for example. Or how about being in a religion that made me feel ashamed for even existing? Like the original sin, like you're born into ignorance, you're born into shame, right? So a lot of us might have come across shame in the form of religion and, you know, people not knowing how to truly embody unconditional love and instead shaming us and judging us parents, you know, parents for me. And then another one I think was friends, right? Bullies. I remember bullies uh, creating shame and trying to tap into that theme. And then if we play along with it, sure enough, we find ourselves stuck in this like self-sabotaging behavior. Yeah. And a lot of times we don't know we're in it because we rationalize why we feel what we feel. And I think when we started to uncover shame, that was one of yours. Totally. Was in through our, was through our relationship and something that's really important to realize as you're going through the process of the inner work is to understand that your relations relationships are catalysts for you to do internal work mm. and all of the things that are difficult and all of the things that trigger you within your partnership are really great mirrors. Mirrors and I would um make mistakes all of the time mm. and I wasn't taught to be embarrassed yeah or... Ashley doesn't think she has no shame like that's not even remotely in her consciousness no, I would just it's like even... spill something she's just so innocent like she owns her innocence she was never shamed as a child her parents didn't raise her that way she wasn't raised in a religion at all in fact well, so like she never came across that energy and it's really I, interesting I first felt it with you because mm-hmm. I would spill something after like, we moved in together what are you doing <laughs> why'd you do that and I'd be like what do you mean why well of course I didn't mean to it was an accident why yeah. would he ask why because um and that's just how I was if raised. I would make a mistake for me my mm. family would say the first thing they'd say is are you okay yeah you're okay and then and and you would never love. say basically are you in other okay? words love you would be so like the response is love what like, the oh, heck are you okay? yeah, why'd like, you break that yeah basically being like you're stupid yeah and I'd be like why'd that is that? such an interesting question it's and so that's crazy. how this all first started to unravel itself because we started to realize that this persistent theme yeah and that's what the themes of consciousness are all about we call it themes because you'll notice that your life continuously has elements of it in multiple areas so then maybe i i create an instagram story or i do a podcast and i'm feeling embarrassed about what i'm saying boom shame again yeah like maybe i go uh, to the beach and I'm like in my swimsuit and I'm like a little embarrassed how I look boom shame like it can pop up in multiple areas of your life and that's why it's an overall theme it's something that will repeatedly show itself we would go to dinner and I sometimes talk really loud and Matt would get so (laughs) embarrassed Ashley has a couple 
couple sips of wine and her volume goes up yeah, about he tenfold. Get, he would get so embarrassed and, like, and be oh like, my gosh, oh my gosh, she's everyone yelling. is looking at us. And I would just be so happy and in love and like not even like aware and Matt would just be like so embarrassed of me. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of how we started to get to this. And luckily we were doing inner work and we were mm-hmm. able to see, hey, it's never the external thing that's going on. Mm-hmm. I am a trigger for Matt. You know, anything else is a trigger for Matt. And we were able to start to see the pattern within it. And that's what mm-hmm. the inner work will start to do for you. Instead of believing the thing, like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you are so embarrassing. You're so loud. We'll be like, wow, that's so interesting that my mind immediately feels embarrassed. Right. Why? Yeah. And that has been crazy. So how do you move out of shame? Yeah. So to transcend each of these themes, there's a recognition that needs to take place of, um, for me, it's, it's understanding that this behavior was learned. So our ego, our human ego, this persona that we have, I guess to kind of lead into this, we need to first understand that our mind is really impressionable and it's like a sponge. And so when we're kids, we even starting in the womb, we are absorbing the themes of consciousness around us. We're absorbing our parents energies and perspectives we're absorbing all of our influences of what we're around our environment society even the collective consciousness of humanity when we are born into the world you know i have to understand that these were taught to me like i wasn't intrinsically you know stupid or wrong or mistaken it was actually just projected onto me in the way my parents or religions you know dealt with me making mistakes. They were like, oh, you know, you're so stupid and wrong. You should know better. You should, should, should. Like this fantasy world of thinking I should have been perfect. You should have been perfect. Why aren't you perfect? And that for me is the biggest reclaiming of power. Because if I keep thinking it's actually real, if I keep believing that this is true and I'm actually the one thinking these things, then it's really hard to let go and to make a new identity. I have to actually accept that this was taught to me, but it is not true of me. As we progress through all the themes, we're going to see how that is ultimately the first thing to always accept, especially with the more negative ones, because there's plenty of other states, right, of negativity in this world other than just shame. This just happens to be the, the first one, and it's the most lacking in love. And because ultimately, you know, it's, I feel like I owe my existence to like my parents or to my religion or this sense of like I sh- I'm indebted I'm ashamed like I should be ashamed or I'm lacking yeah and that like, really kind of motivates you to want to change your identity to appease the people who you feel yeah, indebted to and then to. you live I feel like I have to live for other people and when you're in when you're embarrassed you are letting other people control you like right. I'm literally not doing something because of what I'm you're scared of what I'm scared of what people think. are going to think and therefore, I am completely ashamed of my own life. Right. Wow. Of yourself. That is Of your madness. true you. Who the, f- who the heck teaches their kid that, right? We just don't know any better. We don't realize that we're actually teaching each other this. We don't realize that when we have judgment and embarrassment, that is like one of the most untruthful things. It's the most lowest theme of consciousness as humans we can be. So we don't know that, that we don't know how painful and and how much suffering that's actually going to bring. So how do you get out of it? So now that you've accepted that it was taught, okay, once you accept that it was taught to you, you can start to separate yourself from it. And when I separate myself from it, I can remember that I am innocent. 
I was innocent, am innocent, and always will be innocent. And that this this was modeled to me, and I now in, in this new moment can decide to let it go, mm-hmm. right? And so like right now, me talking about this, I am in the process of letting it go because the trigger comes up, oh my gosh, Matt, you should be embarrassed of what you're talking about right now. You shouldn't be talking about this. And how, like, how, how could you admit your vulnerabilities? Like, this is so embarrassing, right? So let's say my mind right now is throwing up some discomfort. Maybe I'm feeling uneasy in my body. I become aware of it. And I'm like, well, there's that embarrassment again. There's that shame. But it is not me. It's not real. It was taught to me. I am innocent. And in the case of shame, I can never be wrong. I can never be ashamed. I am, I am innocent. I'm always doing what I what I think is best. If I knew better, I would do better. Right. And so I am always trying my best. And when I spill a cup or made a mistake as a child, I never should have been treated as you are stupid and should have known better. That wasn't true. That was a projection of something different. Right. So that helps me to release it and let it go in the moment, right? Every moment you're deciding a new you. So embarrassment arises, I see it, I separate from it, and I say that's not true. It's, I'm innocent. And then it goes away. It's like you replace it. And then the way, the awareness alone allows you to transcend it. And then discomfort leaves. So like, even as I speak about it now, it's already left, right? So it was arising in my chest. Usually I'll feel it like getting my chest getting tight. It's almost as if I feel my heart closing. And then as I push through the discomfort, it leaves. And then I'm left with a great peace knowing that I just returned back to my true self. Yeah. And something that is key that you're saying here is that the freedom that we're seeking, the happiness and the true freedom that we're seeking is not when we can MacGyver our world to, mm. um, yeah. Like no one needs to be watching. Yeah. Like, no, that wasn't the or solution. You should be quieter. Yeah. Or maybe I shouldn't talk about this. Right. Yeah. Or that's whatever not the it is. It's never to put yourself in this bubble Mm-mm. and make the world around you, um, cater to, cater you. to your insecurities. It's yeah. really about, and I've tried that for years. Yeah, so it doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> so it's really about understanding instead of paying attention to the thoughts and being mm-hmm. subservient to them, it's, becoming it's becoming interested in the root of them and having Mm. awareness around them instead of being subservient to them right right. yeah and i think why do i think this yeah and i think when you look for where you learn these behaviors you know you it always goes back to innocence because maybe usually it's going to be parents or a parent you know like a parental figure or guardian and you know, they are only doing what they think is best and that's what they learned. Yeah. And, and we're having all... empathy and compassion and, and the the themes of consciousness when you understand them more than even just helping yourself, you're able to have empathy for mm-hmm. for others and everyone around you because you can start to recognize what themes someone is stuck in just as you're recognizing it in yourself and have empathy. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to be mad because you were raised a certain way. You're understanding that well, if this was taught to me, it's because that's what was taught to them. And that's totally. where their consciousness totally. is there. And that's mm-hmm. that and empathy. You have, you have compassion for those who, who taught it to you. Yeah. And then, you know, so like, if let's say I see someone else getting embarrassed and it's in my power to remind them how loved they are. Right. I love that. Like if some, it's a, that also heals me. Right. So let's say I'm like doing something with a friend and they're like maybe performing music. I don't know. And they, I can see them getting like a little embarrassed what they're doing. They're a little afraid to like be themselves. And then instead you just like shower them with love and be like, dude, you're so amazing. Like yeah. you just keep doing it. And that and heals yourself. That heals myself because I am promoting someone else's liberation. Right. That is the, the, like, I feel like you guys get a total good example now of how these work. We won't spend as much time on, on the other ones, one. 
this is just like a great example of how this process goes. So as we go through them, just pay attention. Maybe you're taking notes, hopefully, mm-hmm. and see if you can kind of write down some of the explanations of each theme and maybe put a little star next to ones you're starting to feel. Yeah, what one flares up. Flares for up for you. And you're like, ooh, that's totally mine. This is me, you know, and yeah. that way as you're going through your day, as you're going through your life, you can start to become aware of it and mm. instead of just responding to the external real. stimuli and being like oh he pissed me off right now and get angry or yeah. whatever it is you could be like or, mm, i am stupid I anger should be is arising or embarrassment yeah. is arising this is one of the things of consciousness i know i get stuck in mm-hmm. that's what it's all about it's right. all about becoming aware and you know it, it, it's like everyone has different approaches you could pay attention to your body does your body change? Like for me, I was describing like, does your chest get tight? Do you find yourself getting fidgety? Do right. you look around like you can't, you know, like look someone in the eye? What are your maybe bodily symptoms? That's right. a good way to catch it. Um, if you're a thinker, notice the thoughts. Like when I have thoughts of shame, my mind is on a freaking spiral of negativity and like self-rejection. Like right. you're an idiot. You're so stupid. You shouldn't fucking, you shouldn't do this. You're so stupid. Like it's on a spiral. And so if you're a thinker, maybe being like, whoa, 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 whoa. My mind is on one right now. So whatever your thing is, try to just become aware of it. And usually just knowing that these exist does it all. Yeah. Like just knowing from now listening to this, like your consciousness will never be the yeah. same. Have more interest. Because in, you'll be aware of these things. Yeah. Now. Have more interest in the theme of your consciousness rather than the thought itself. Mm. All right. Let's go to the next one. So first was shame. This is obviously. Shame. This is the oh. full lack of love. Yeah. Okay. okay. This is the bottom of like our consciousness, our lowest state. This is like, you know, the Suicidal. lowest. It's suicide, you know. Okay. So a little bit higher from that is guilt okay this is actually a progression because in shame there's a complete like self-abhorrence to the point of like i'm worthless whereas guilt is like oh i made a mistake and i feel sorry for what i did and i want to improve now this might not seem like too much of a progression but it really is because the sociopath or like the psychopath has no guilt but when you have guilt what it basically the, the ready positive, to die anyway yeah so in shame True, exactly. Whereas guilt is like a... They want to live. There's a... Exactly. There's a positive momentum actually getting built because now you're like, oh, I made a mistake. I was wrong. And the healthy version of guilt is to just acknowledge like, okay, I made a mistake and then work to improve it. But what we usually mean by this is guilt tends to turn into this like depression. Okay. This can turn into like a sense of wrongness. And it's like the level of judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, really intense judgment. Again, a big one for me that taught me guilt. This is a learned behavior, everyone. Like guilt is not in nature. Guilt is not our natural state. Guilt is created by humans and it's created by the ego and its own lack of security. So someone in guilt is projecting judgment, usually from religions or parents, you know, and parents are projecting their own issues onto their children and their own feeling guilty. So when a parent feels guilty about what they're giving or how they're raising their children or what they can give to them, they will project that guilt onto the child and then we as the children absorb it and accept it. Yeah, feeling guilty is like feeling like you did something wrong and you should you should be punished. And if someone else does something wrong, you think they should be punished. They should be punished, exactly. And... We don't want to. We don't want to get stuck there. And if if you're somebody who has severe judgment, 
Or feel like you're wrong. Or feel like you're wrong. Like guilty for living. Like I shouldn't be this way. How do you get out of guilt? Okay. So guilt to transcend, it's similar to shame, right? We, And that's why I wanted to start with that, that process. You identify and separate. Okay, guilt was taught to us. So guilt is taught to us. It's a learned behavior and a learned program of of ignorance, right? People just don't know any better. And what the ego is doing is it is taking on the role of God as like this arbiter of judgment and it's self-condemning. And in this self-condemnation, it's not taking into account our innocence. So judgment and guilt are not even real because the mind is incapable of it, of actually understanding how innocent we are. Yeah. The mind feels justified in being able to judge people, but in ourselves, but it has no ability to do that. It's so limited. It can't possibly fathom how many infinite details go into our everyday existence. It can't fathom how innocent we truly are. And for the mind to be judging and creating right and wrongness is actually a complete, like, super trippy vanity. Like, the mind is not capable of doing that, and yet it takes that role on when it really shouldn't be. For for moving out of guilt, for me, is what I use is I'm doing my best and mm-hmm. everybody else is doing exactly. their best. Exactly. And when I remind myself that I'm always doing my best because sometimes mm-hmm. I fall short and other people, I let other people down or other people are... Mm-hmm. You know, somebody just went off on me last week and tried to shame and guilt me. And I just was like, I'm doing the best with what I know Mm -hmm. and the choices that I make. And I'm trying to do the best in this life. We all are. And so is this person who's going off on me. They're doing the best Mm -hmm. they can in this moment. And with what they know, they think Mm -hmm. shaming me is the best thing that they could do. You know, because this whole process of inner work is about humility and as you continue to work through these themes, you realize how truly humble it is to be human. Like, we don't know anything, you guys. Like, we don't know anything. Even right now, like, as we tell you this, like, we don't know. We're just, like, we're all just trying our best here with what what we got. And we're trying our best to understand and find happiness. And we're doing so many trial and errors right? Look at our history of humanity. We're all just trying to figure it out and try to be happy. Compassion is... The key. It's com- it's key, you know, humility and compassion. We're we're doing our best, and so to overcome guilt, um, these these really deep core acceptances have to happen. You have to just accept that you are doing your best with what you've been given, and that's why when you separate it and see that it was taught to you, it helps you move out of it because you realize, whoa, like no wonder I feel so wrong because look at how I was treated. Holy crap! Right. Like I was, I mean. These people told me I was going to burn and be ripped to shreds by demons my whole life. Like, what the... Like, for eternity. Like, if you really look at some of the stories that we were taught as children about being punished and judged by this, like, in all honesty, like a demonic god who wants to torture you. Like, what the F? So that that kind of belief system will really mess with your, your head. You know, that will really make you feel completely terrified of doing anything wrong. You know, and for me, that's what it was. You know, my upbringing and, and Christian upbringing was really, it kind of led right to that. One of the things you can become aware of, because I think with you, and, and I don't think you even 
knew this about yourself. It took a while because you don't realize you're stuck in a theme of consciousness. You have justifications and rationalizations Mm -hmm. to why you feel what you feel. And so one of the key things to realize if you're stuck in guilt is if you blame others, if you blame Mm, outside of yourself. So if you're blaming the source of your unhappiness or the source of your discontentment as something outside of yourself, something mm-hmm. somebody else Someone did. Else is the wrong. system did it. The government they shouldn't did be it. Doing that. This person did it. Mm-hmm. Like it, that, that's the key thing to be like, mm, I must be stuck in a thing of guilt, a, a frequency of guilt mm-hmm. and healing that within yourself of where do you think you're doing wrong? Because because you're not, and nobody else is either. And if you have the ability to project that kind of blame, it's because you think this about yourself mm-hmm. in some way. So mm-hmm. that's, I think, how you start to move out of out of blame mm-hmm. and guilt. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then as we kind of climb out of guilt, we can reach a state of now we're not self-sabotaging and blaming and attacking, but we can be kind of apathetic. Right. So this is like finally a state of like hopelessness or meaninglessness it's where like we don't really care that we're guilty anymore you it is technically a progress because now your energy is like whatever whatever it doesn't matter so it's not incredibly destructive but you're also it's destructive via passivity like you're not doing anything now so at least you're not blaming at least you're not attacking yourself but you're just now literally being like f it like whatever yeah it doesn't matter I don't matter. It doesn't really matter. So like you're not even, you're not taking the energy to self-destruct, but you are at least not doing anything. So yeah, you're kind of, yeah. Apathetic. So any, and, and I slip into these states, you know, every once in a while. What's the point? As yeah. What's I, the meaning of life? There's no meaning. Some days, like if I have a really, you know, a couple times this, this year when we had the lava come and all that stuff happened with our house, I definitely slipped into a state of apathy a couple times where you know, I was just like, wow, like, what the hell? Like, what's going on the here? The emotion for apathy is despair. Mm-hmm. Just so like, like if what's you're like, the point? what's the point? Like, it's Whatever. kind of like a doomsday. It's, dismal. it's like, yeah, like nothing good's going to come this up. This is like the all point. the conspiracy theories or stories and articles about like the end of times. It's just like, oh, we're all just doomed. It's all just, nothing's going to work. do you approach anything in a habitual way in your life, your job, Mm -hmm. finances, relationship? um, We're just like, it's hopeless. It's hopeless. Hopelessness is, and how do we get out of hopelessness? To move out of apathy, right? To move out of this hopelessness, we have to shift and understand that it's coming from like a lack of genuine self-esteem. So usually what we are kind of stuck in is a sense of powerlessness. We feel like we are powerless over this. And and the real root of it is like all issues in that we find in the inner work is we're giving our power away to something. So when you're in a state of apathy, we're really giving all of our happiness to outside things. So even if the world is going to end, like you don't have to be apathetic about it. You could still be enjoying the ride all the way to the end. Like if I really want to get radical with you, like it, it doesn't matter. Let's say you have cancer, right? Let's, there's so many patients who have terminal illnesses, but like they have that moment of realizing, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to just stay dismal all the way till I die? Or am I going to enjoy every last second I have? And am I going to uplift and rise to a new level of joy, even in the face of something that seems hopeless? I think when you're in um, this state, 
you lack feeling the good feelings for sure, but you also lack feeling the sadness and you don't let, mm-hmm. like if, if the, let's say there's a loss in your family, mm-hmm. it's like you feel nothing. Yeah. And I think one of numb. the ways, it's numb, numbness. it's yeah. numbness. And I think like, it, I think numbness is a defense mechanism. It is. That's, that's and so if any said. area mm-hmm. of your life, if you feel numb, like some people will say that, mm-hmm. you know, like I literally feel numb. I can't feel anything. Yeah. Or I've told you, I've just been like, I just don't care. Right. I just, I'm, I just, I'm over it. Or right. like, I just don't even care. I'm just like numb. I think the progression out of the numbness is to allow yourself to feel the sadness yeah. or the loss. Yep. The grief. You move into grief and that's the next stage. And, and the, this is what's interesting about themes of consciousness is the ones that we think we want to avoid like nobody wants to be sad sometimes they have a due process yeah you gotta you gotta let yourself fill them and Mm -hmm. to get out of apathy to get out of hopelessness to get out of you gotta um, you gotta care you have to care enough to feel sad which means you gotta feel you have to feel so So the next stage is grief like let yourself feel feel the the grief yep and when we went through all that loss earlier this year that's or even the anger or even the fear whatever Mm -hmm. feeling you need to move up you need to move up because even fear is technically a higher level than Mm -hmm. not feeling at Mm -hmm. all yeah so let's move into the next one so as we move out of that hopelessness we care about our life and therefore that means we also have to be sad about it yeah um, and Sadness, that, that's grief. grief. That's sorrow. It's like, you know, I had to let myself really feel the loss, right? You feel the loss of what happened to your life. You feel it, let yourself move through it. Um, and, and this is maybe a good point because grief tends to be one we hide in society. This is depression, despondency, sorrow, you know, crying, just like feeling a failure, f- you know, feeling the sadness of life, the suffering of life. If we repress any of these themes, they will eventually keep coming up until they are healed. So human human consciousness tends to continue to repeat patterns until it heals a particular theme. Allow yourself the grief. None of this is wrong, guys. Like none of it, it's not wrong to feel shame. It's not wrong to feel guilty or apathetic or grief or anything else we kind of keep talking about here. Nothing, none of this is wrong. It is just part of being human. It just is. It just is what it is. And the irony is judging it, denying it, and repressing it does not help anything. It actually just causes more issues. The whole point, though, about inner work and understanding things is to just not get stuck. Mm-hmm. And to realize... And make it a lifestyle. Like, don't make it... Don't hang out there to where it's like, my lifestyle is grief. Right. My lifestyle is shame. And like, one of the well, that's going to really be things- a sad life about these levels or themes of consciousness is that when something traumatic happens to you as a child or you're taught a certain thing, we can unconsciously become stuck and we don't even know it because we think this is just the way life is. And one of the things about grief, if you have like a really traumatic loss when you're a child, like maybe you lose a parent or, you know, your parents go through a divorce or something really, maybe like there's some sort of really traumatic molestation I don't know like something very traumatic you might get stuck and think that this is the price to pay for living life so life life is just life is full of grief and trial and and things are going to keep and that becomes your new truth being sorrowful right and this is something to just become aware of because because then you're going to perceive all of life that way right when when that is not necessarily true it's just a perspective it's It's a experience it's not the one and only like there's infinite other views of reality. So as we feel grief, sorrow, we have some energy here building. Uh, now we rise to fear. Fear as in, I don't want my life to stay this way. Is this really my life? Yeah. 
but you see this is a positive Fear progression because now you sadness. want that means you're afraid it will stay which means you have energy to make a change which means you want to live exactly so now you see we're actually making progress even though we would think fear is still a very like negative behavior yeah it actually in comparison to shame and disgrace it's, and reject of life like this is actually really positive right. you are afraid of negative consequences you are afraid of a um negative life so that's good in the sense of i'm afraid of staying here i do want to get better see this is one of the ones i was taught that i don't think you were is fear um i wasn't taught shame but i was definitely taught fear and I love my mama so much, but um, she definitely has some fearful tendencies. And oh, totally. She, yeah, she'll be afraid to... Like leave the house. Leave, yeah, and I've been, you know, my anxiety has Anxiety. Me, so this is the level of anxiety, worry, stress, inner right? torment, angst. Yeah, I've been totally conditioned to be timid and afraid. Mm-hmm. So like the world is scary, bad things are going to happen, people are bad, they want to rob you, they want to rape you. This is the you. news. The news, <laughs> watching all these, people all these dying, documentaries. Look out for these people. Yes. Yeah, constant fear. And then my mom, bless her freaking heart. I love her. She wants to keep me safe, but she'll send me these messages like, just so you know, there's um, people who are trying to steal your credit card identity. Yeah. Don't do that. She'll send me all these like, just like, so you know, stories. there's people out there trying to. Yeah, there's a guy ruin your trying to kidnap girls at gas stations, and she'll send me these like crazy things, and and right. it induces fear. Mm-hmm. But it it gets so bad to the point where like you could just let this run your it life to the point you. where you, it cripples you, which this did happen to me, you guys. I was so Actually, stuck in fear. Actually, really bad anxiety. I pretty much did not go out in public for over a year and hid and isolated myself in my anxiety attacks. And this is this is how dark fear can get is to the point yeah, where it cripples it, it you. It cripples you to a state of constant anxiety. And you know, all of these have clinical expressions. So like in psychology, all of these have disorders that we call them disorders, but in reality they're just someone stuck in a theme of consciousness. Right. And anxiety disorder is an example of someone stuck in fear to where it's become a a habitual lifestyle. You can't live. Their brain is completely programmed to it. Now, the good thing is, is that we can change these things. So one of the things about being in fear is that in any situation, like I literally had to change my phone number. I had to disappear and isolate myself. Mm -hmm. Let any little situation could trigger my fear because everything had the worst case scenario tied to it. Mm -hmm. Like in my yeah. stuck fear consciousness. Your mind goes to the darkest, gnarliest yeah. places. Nothing could ever just be okay and work out. Mm-hmm. It was like immediately someone's gonna. Uh, it was always worst case. Attack me. Worst case. Someone's yeah. gonna, it was always. It literally crippled me to where I couldn't, you know, and, and things did happen to me that mm-hmm. obviously stimulated my fear. Like there were experiences, but I let myself stay there for stay so there. long. Yeah, like you're going to have some gnarly experiences probably happen in your life. We're not saying that everything should be rainbows and butterflies. The question, though, is does it stay stuck in our mind and now become a constant controlling thing it like that's gonna happen chronic. again is it gonna happen again something bad's gonna happen again it's gonna happen again it already happened once so it's gonna keep happening and it's like well no that's not necessarily true that's just a perspective yet again it's just one thing that might have happened but it does not mean it's gonna be your eternal reality yeah and i think the thing that's gonna lead us out of fear is having some sort of desire to change it to 
change it and have a bit better life and it's like mm-hmm. it can get so uncomfortable there that like for me I, I finally got to a place where I was like I don't want to live of, this way anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of being afraid I want it to change. Yeah I don't want to so be afraid of people. I don't want to be afraid of getting bullied. I don't want to mm-hmm. be afraid. I don't want people to feel like they can they yeah. uh, let people control me anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be afraid to go outside. I don't want to be afraid to get on a plane. I don't want to be afraid to live my dream. I don't want to be afraid to put myself out into the world. Mm-hmm. Like I got to this point where the desire to not be afraid yeah. led me out of fear and that's why the key words you kept saying is i want like as in i am doing i am ready i will do the things i need to to I take action i desire life. a better life and so desire this next theme in so much of the world is ran by desire I'm pretty all familiar with this is super common um it's it's the level of you know consume of desire of want of need of chasing the american prestige the dream. and power it's, it's lust. Uh, now, here are more of the habitual states, what it can turn into. This is lust. This is pornography, which we've talked a lot about and how it's enslaving. The desire it's ins- for money. It's addiction. This is the level of addiction, enslavement to anything. Addiction to money, greed. This is the level of greed, um, obsession, external attachment, right? And so fear is the motivator for this desire mm-hmm. because they're so afraid to not be exactly. powerful, so afraid to not be exactly. wealthy, so afraid to not be sexy. Yeah. So if I get more money, maybe I finally will be, a, 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 I will be secure enough from my fear of being perceived as like poor yeah. or something. Being wanted, or desired. if I get more power, maybe I'll finally not be afraid of not having power. So it's it's a progression out of fear, but it's still very, very limited. And desire and it, promotes addiction and you can get stuck mm-hmm. in addiction because this is, this is you're, alcoholism, you're slave to it. addiction to watching pornography, addiction to sex, addiction to substance abuse, mm-hmm. addiction to... Any type of stimulation. Materialism too. Materialism. You know, like like keep needing to buy and pursue more money, more things to make yourself feel whole. So desire is good. It has to do with accumulation. But it also can be accumulating. Yeah. yeah. And and desire is a big attachment. Totally. I think sex is one of the biggest attachments for humans, I feel like. And then materialism. Um, and then money has this mysterious power over people that's so interesting. So let's so just look back though because in – lower states of consciousness and being in empathy, being in uh, empathy, shame, yeah. you you don't even have the desire for oh, you better. Don't even, care. even though there's so many negative things about desire that you can get stuck in, mm-hmm. it's actually a necessary These are all necessary steps. To move out of yeah. those lower states that we can get really yeah. this stuck is, in. This is a progression. So if you are having issues like for me, let's say I had random struggle with embarrassment and shame. So that's not my like typical everyday consciousness but it is a theme that I nevertheless haven't healed so I need to go from shame to like guilt to apathy to grief to fear desire and you know like I have to progress through these sometimes they can be very quick though sometimes you can just go from shame to like courage to face it yeah use and be it like, as I can a do this. spring use desire as a springboard to get yourself out yeah. of the lower states but if you get stuck in desire just like if you get stuck in these other mm-hmm. lower states there's so many there downfalls a, to it like we just said, um, just being materialistic, obsessed with acquiring more, like people who are super even rich can get stuck in desire and never move out of it and become happy because they just stay stuck in desire. Yeah, because desire is an energy that will never end. So it's never going to be satiated. So this is your perpetual chaser, right, of the horizon. And it always is going to keep being further away because desire will never end. 
guys. Like we're always going to want things. We're all, desire will never end. We're always going to want to keep creating. It's eternal. The thing is though, is attaching ourselves to it and thinking that I only am happy when I get my desire. And that's the real trigger. So how do we get out of desire? Well, how do you to... even recognize you're in desire? How do you recognize you're even, you're stuck in the state of desire? How do you even know that this is, this one is I would, you? I would say that was the right there is, do I place my happiness on achieving these desires? Right. Like, am I always trying to get somewhere? Yeah. Am I always trying to get somewhere? And when we, you know, when we are not getting somewhere fast enough and we're not getting the desire we want, we move into anger. And it's interesting because anger would seem like something lesser, but it's actually demonstrating that you are angry. You're putting so much emotion into not getting your desire. So it actually is this more intense energy of like, I am disgruntled due to not getting my desire and I'm getting angry about it. I want to do something about it and getting like this energy built up to make change. You know, entire countries have been revolutionized through anger. You know, that, that's when the person finally says enough, right? You know, they're taking their desire to another level. They're saying enough, I'm going to change this. I'm going to do it. And so anger can be, um, anger can be misleading because it can be very easily mistaken for power. And this is something because it is one of my biggest, uh, struggles is anger is it's, it's vulnerable because anger puffs itself up and thinks that it is strong, but anger is really just it's weakness being overly compensated. So anger is, I feel powerless, but I also am going to be, I'm going to show you that I do feel powerful, even though deep down I really feel powerless in this moment. But look at me, look at my, I'm going to puff up my chest and like, I'm going to raise my voice and get all intense. And it's positive if you're coming from a lower, like these other more negative states, but it's obviously not of love yet because you're still being forceful. It's still force. You're being aggressive Whereas true power can just be with the world. It can just go about life peacefully and still create its desires. So anything else you want to add on anger? The healthy version of anger is like you said, when the oppressed are using anger to motivate them for change. Motivating for change. And they're moving out of some sort of injustice and feeling a victim to feeling powerful. Mm -hmm. But when it becomes unhealthy is when they mistake that anger for the power itself. And it is then used as revenge Exactly. Or as mm-hmm. um, yeah, a way of for, or as aggression. a way of force, as to have control over yeah. others, yep. and um, being totally. explosive, or just like acting out in a in an energy of anger, where you're trying to impact others with your anger, yes. is when it becomes unhealthy. Stomping on you to get out of the way. Yeah, like, and, get out of my way. I'm gonna stomp on you to get there. And just recently, yeah. I experienced. We both did a, 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 something happening with anger and. There's a difference between, like we said, getting angry and being motivated to make a change because... Like enough is a, enough. A, enough like is that's enough. positive. That's the but positive expression. But then there's an anger where I'm going to use anger to intimidate to you, you and destroy you. And then <laughs> to that's, prove my dominance. To prove my dominance. So the anger wants to be dominant and it does so by f- being forceful, right. by forcing people to be inferior. Right. So anger is like superiority and inferiority, inferiority complex. You know, this is... Um, Kind of leading into the next level theme of awareness. Well, here. how how you know you're stuck in anger, obviously, is if you're 
getting angry and frustrated mm, at impatient. situations, impatience. If that is your go-to response when things are not mm-hmm. going your way, which it was for me, pay for attention sure. because mm-hmm. you might be stuck in the um, consciousness theme of anger Mm -hmm. and this is not serving you because obviously anger doesn't feel good you don't want to live your life through a lens of anger and how you get out of anger is what for me i feel like the two biggest ones that help the most is to be patient so reminding myself that i'm exactly where i'm supposed to be everything is exactly on the right time because my anger can often be triggered by impatience and thinking like, oh, it, needs, it shouldn't be this way, right. right? Like we said, the anger originally arises as, oh, I want to change this. But, you know, more importantly is being patient with it and accepting this is as it should be. But then also I think what helps me let it go is to let go of thinking that it's powerful, mm-hmm. thinking that it actually is benefiting me. My anger is not benefiting me. It's actually slowing me down. Right. It is not actually powerful. It actually makes me look incredibly weak. Well, part because of anger, having to hurt other people in order to be right. superior is not superior. Because anger is, leads to hatred. And exactly. if you are an angry person compulsively, and that's the theme you're living in, that is the consciousness of hatred, which means if you're projecting hatred to another, that means you really hate yourself. Exactly. And so that's how. And that's how you treat you yourself. And that's how I, you know, that's why, like, you I always say, like, up. I beat the shit out of myself. I don't even need other people to do it because I'm already destroying myself internally. Right. My anger, if I'm projecting into the outer world, you can imagine what I'm doing to the inner so world. So, with someone, so that's used for empathy, is because this was a common mm-hmm. one for us. Yeah, because angry people are scary. Yeah. And you need to understand that, like, it's actually really sad. Yeah. And, but it's hard because it's terrifying. Right. Scary people, or I mean, uh, angry people are very terrifying. Yeah. Have compassion because they're deeply suffering. But that means they're deeply suffering. It does not mean they're powerful. It means like, oh my gosh. Like we have all these movies and shows glorifying like gangsters and shit. They're all a bunch of weak people dest- destroying themselves and others by using anger as their power. Right. And we all think this is cool because... They look powerful. Because they look to a powerful lower state Because to a lower state, that seems really powerful. Right. If you but were, it's still really, really sad. If it's you not were stuck true. in shame and you were stuck in guilt, exactly. then from that Seeing someone angry, you're like, they're powerful. That's like impressive. Right. Wow. They get shit done. Like, that's why, you know... If you're stuck in guilt and shame and you look up, you look up to mobsters, you right. look up to the gangsters the and people that guys. are tough and rough and be like, yeah, I, st- I stomp on everyone to get what I want. Yeah. Like that looks really cool to you. And that's okay because that's just a, a, a stepping stone and it's a process. But just know that anger luckily isn't the end. There's something even more There's powerful. There's more exciting things still to come. There. There's still more. So. so as we move up, the next last biggie here is pride. Okay, so as we get angry for change, we were like, I'm the powerful one, and it kind of naturally leads into pride. So this next theme of of pride in seeking, okay, because anger is technically seeking true self-esteem. That's what it really is, it wishes it had. Anger wants to be like, I'm powerful, like, please honor me. And it's like, yes, we do honor you, but not anger. And pride is like trying to fix that. So pride is moving into this state of, the healthy version of pride is the building of self-esteem. Right. So the healthy version is I desire to change. I'm angry it's not changing. I'm going to do something about it. Now I'm getting prideful that I'm making progress. Yeah, and you feel proud of yourself. I'm proud and you of myself. Show it I'm all. doing it. Like, yes, I'm so awesome. And it's like, you totally are awesome. But like, you can be humble about right. it. Right, so the, the thing, the downfall of pride is that you're, what'd you call it? You become, you have... 
you're building self-esteem is that your self-esteem actually though becomes dependent on external conditions and that makes you very vulnerable because now still very weak because now you can get knocked right off back into shame yeah so if you're feeling like your self-esteem is high but you're stuck in a consciousness of pride Mm -hmm. you'll notice that you you go high and then you go low and then you go high and then you low and i think of it as based on external approvals yeah so so when life gives you external approval of like a positive high you're like yeah i'm the best i'm like amazing look at what i did yeah and then when life's low you're like oh fuck everything yeah like everything else is the problem yeah it's entitlement you know so pride is based on external conditions and Mm -hmm. it's really exciting to get to a place where you finally have self-esteem and you're finally feeling confident and this is good this is necessary feels good until but, it goes before the fall. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> until like we set ourselves up. The downside is that, you know, it could be taken from you so yeah. easily because now it's it's kind of like a fragile mm. um, self-assurity because it's not truly rooted deep within yourself. It's, it's not internal approval yet. No, it's based on approval from others, which means that you are just, you know, mm-hmm. succumbing to everybody's projections yeah of you and the other downside is that it causes arrogance yeah and arrogance you know really comes down to it's a mask of insecurities right so when i look at times i'm in pride i'm really masking an insecurity so for me pride and and anger are um you know they're kind of like my my more negative states that i revert to and spending so much time really analyzing why am i prideful it comes out of trying to hide, right? Like, so if I'm actually really vulnerable about something, I can maybe overcompensate and act prideful that I'm not. So let's say like, I'm worried that I don't know what I'm talking about, or I'm worried that I'm, I'm going to look stupid. I'll overcompensate and be like, I'm so intelligent and I'm the most, yes. I'm the most genius person, like arrogance, like totally ridiculous. So it's a masking, to compensate compensating technically. Shame. Exactly. So I'm actually hiding still something about myself that I don't want to reveal. And so pride is kind of seeking that. Pride tries to look good to impress others. Mm. So if you're stuck in pride, you'll know that you actually do still have a deep insecurity because you have to, like for girls, we have to put on makeup all the time. We always have to look our best. We have to be pretty. Guys need to be tough. Guys need to be tough. Like whatever it is that you feel like you have to put on this whole persona so that you could feel proud of yourself. That's when we're getting Mm. stuck in pride. And another problem with pride is that it has a really hard time... um, accepting you know when it makes a mistake or constructive criticism criticism, Mm -hmm. or it has like this denial of itself like it doesn't Mm. it it wants to deny that it's even prideful Mm. (laughs) i'm not being arrogant yeah whereas if you move out of pride you have the courage (laughs) to look at yourself and be humble and be like yeah maybe i am being prideful maybe i am mm-hmm. being arrogant maybe i did make a mistake maybe i did make a wrong choice maybe i mm-hmm. did say something that was hurtful i'm sorry and i'm strong enough to admit it yeah and, sh- and, and that is the tipping point right that's the tipping point because once you get out of pride and you have the courage to look at yourself and be humble and admit that you're just a human and yes you make freaking mistakes yes, you're moving into best a I higher can. level of consciousness and that's how you move out of basically all the level all lower levels we start moving into higher levels and the first higher level is courage yeah and this is like the first massive tipping point so anytime we find ourselves stuck in lower themes where or or shall we say just these themes of of suffering 
Because all of those ones we just talked about inevitably bring suffering. From shame to pride, they all bring levels and degrees of suffering. Shame's going to be the worst. Pride brings its own, you know, but it's a lot less than being shamed. Yeah, and just pay attention, like, if those come up in your life, because those are the ones, those are the ones that are preventing us from from love and growth. Staying in a state of grace. And they're staying in a state of grace and they're really imperative to become aware of so you don't let them root and grow within you. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones you really want to be aware of. Because they're going to be harm the most harmful. Yeah, so just Because now attention. that you get, when you get into a state of courage, you're kind of like free. You've officially gotten through the tipping point of negativity and you are officially humble and courageous enough to look at yourself yeah, and, and actually start building real self-esteem, which honors its vulnerabilities. So you're, you're like, yes, I struggle with anger, but I'm brave enough to admit it. Yes. I struggle with addictions or with shame or guilt or whatever your thing was, but I'm willing to look at it, admit it and own it and ready to actually be ambitious, ready to actually build my integrity, ready to actually be empowered. This is a level of empowerment. This is commitment. I am committed to the inner work. I'm committed to bettering my life. You start seeing opportunities in life at this level. If you're living in a state of courage, you're, you start to see opportunities around you rather than hopelessness. You start mm -hmm. to see that there maybe is a way out. You're open to trying new things. And this is just a, a really good energy that um, the world... It's empowered. Yeah, the world is, I think, progressively moving into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so next up, we have this obsession with courage. We are now transitioning into self-improvement and sincere commitment, like self-honesty. And then we reach a state of, you know, we've proved our courage, we feel pretty confident about ourselves now, we have a good self-esteem, and then we become kind of neutral. And we kind of move into this next state of neutrality, and it's very unbiased, it's like, open-minded, easygoing, doesn't have anything to prove anymore. It's kind of like, hey man, let live, like live and let live. Like, yeah, neutrality things are good. doesn't have that same it doesn't, judgment It doesn't anymore. need to prove, doesn't need to condemn. Right. Just chill. Like, life is good. It's the humorist, you know, it's the person who's just chilling. They're just like, whatevs, let's all just be nice to each other. I'm, I'm not going to pick a side. I'm just going to be open-minded and unbiased here, easygoing, Confident, unassuming. capable. Yeah, yeah. Confident in themselves, yeah, as in they have nothing to prove. Like genuine neutrality where they're just like, hey, chill, bro. They're like, not interested you, in conflict. You do you. Yeah, you do you. Like, I'm not judging. They're like, not interested in competition exactly. or guilt. They're just like, they're just I'm just going to do me. It's You're content. just going to do you. Yeah, it's content. Like, content. hey, man, we're all doing our own thing. So that's a pretty good level. So this, this state, neutrality, feels ridiculously good to most of us when we're used to being in a world stuck in the lower, like right. these more suffering ridden Fear, states. Guilt. Yeah. Like neutrality feel like contentment feels damn good compared to desire. Yeah. <laughs> Neut like feeling content feels damn good than feeling embarrassed and ashamed. Right. So you see, this is actually like, it's your resting state. This is like a theme of consciousness where your life's all about taking it easy. People who are neutral really value freedom. They want themselves to have freedom and they want other people to have free. Yeah. And this is a type of person who is... It harder to control at this level because mm. in the lower levels we were controlled by the external world because we were caught mm. in guilt we were caught in shame we let fear control us and everything outside of us had some say in who we were and how we're living our lives and when you get to this level of neutrality 
you live and let live and you, you don't really let people's opinions control you anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's a really and good... you don't really get riled up anymore. No. You're just like, dude, whatever. We're all doing but our best. But then you're neutral and then eventually, you know, that's... It could get... It's just boring there, I think. Well, so yeah, there's more, some there's people, more. maybe that is, well, sometimes, you know, that is really comforting and that was enough. So like if you got out of all the the more negative states and you got to a state of neutrality, maybe you're good. Like sometimes a lot of people are just like, you know what, I'm good. But if you are, you know, destined to keep evolving and like pushing your yourself to the next level, it would move from neutrality to now inspiration. This is where you're like, I know I can do things in the world. I know I'm confident and I have self-esteem and I will make mistakes. I will still have issues and revert to negative states from time to time. But I will now take action. I will be willing to help. I will be creative. I will be generous. I will give service. I will do more than just be neutral. So this is now we're kind of tipping out of healed. We're healed. We're neutral. We're content. But now we're going even further. I will now be kind. I will now like be inspiring. Yeah, willingness and inspired is a state where we're kind of overcoming our own inner work at this point. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we are, are inspired to, to help others mm-hmm. to participate in the world and community. We want to give something. We want to yeah. share our gifts. We have the willingness to make mistakes and still get up and try mm-hmm. again. Because mm-hmm. before a mistake would have kept us down and been like, Oh, I can't but do now it. we just see it as a part of life. Yeah. And we're like, whatever, this is the mentality. This is the, you know, the type of person you see who always sees the bright side of things. Um, they're the optimist. They are the one who gives community service. They're, they're really not passionate. Embarrassed or ashamed embarrassed to anymore. be in the bottom of the tier and start from the beginning. Like you yeah. could, you could start a new career or go back to school at you know fifty years old mm. and go back to college and not feel embarrassed by yeah, it. You'd be, be like, proud of yourself. You'd be like, like wherever I start, that's cool. I'll just do yeah, it. Yeah, that's willingness. That's inspired. Yeah. Is that it's never too late to begin and mm-hmm. just feeling inspired to live and like just. Yeah. There, it's never too late. Yeah, and being willing to just keep going. That's a really healthy place to be. And and these are, you know, this will usually manifest as success in pretty much everything people will do from this theme of consciousness because they're willing to go above and beyond. Yeah, and because they've let go of pride, they're able to accept their shortcomings and mm. learn from others and from their mistakes. Mm. And that willingness to learn from their mistakes and keep going that's what this level is, mm-hmm. is it's, mm-hmm. it's a new chapter, really. Yeah. And a lot of this still can be rooted in kind of trying to control one's life. And so as willingness evolves, it, it comes to a state of, am I willing to kind of even. stop, stop giving my control and power away? Can I go even further and become even more internally powerful by accepting accepting my inner power and control over my experience of life. Yeah, so acceptance so is the next one. Acceptance is this level of I accept my powers within me. I accept that, you know, circumstances do not have control over me. This is a, a huge jump, you know, to go from willingness. I'm willing to, to look at my life positively and in a healthy light. But now I am also willing to accept circumstances have no control over me. I'm, I'm that in control. And acceptance is not to be confused with apathy because apathy doesn't care. Mm. Acceptance is, this is that yoga sutra of having 100% effort Mm. and having zero attachment to the results. Mm. So you're going to try your best in life. You're going to do everything you can and you're going to let go 
and surrender Mm -hmm. the outcome and have acceptance for whatever is. And, and this is that, that area where you are doing your best. You are trying, you are putting in the effort. You have that, um, inspiration within you. Mm -hmm. You're not apathetic, but you've let go of the rest. Yeah. I think of it as inner conviction, um, genuine self-confidence, like self-confidence in the form of I could, I could totally mess up, but I, it's not going to have any power over me. I could totally like try a million times and fail a million times and it's okay. I would just still be, it's emotional security. You know, it's like, I am completely emotionally secure and have accepted that nothing can take that from me. Um, so really empowering, right? This is impressive. This is like, we look up to people like this, that can be that just truly themselves and authentic. You know, this is that level of authenticity where you just feel like nothing can bring you down. Mm, you're, acceptance you're solid. is all is accepting yourself mm-hmm. and having acceptance for yourself. So no longer do external circumstances control you. Do other people's opinions control you? Do what you achieve in life control you? Mm. The amount of money you have control you. You start to move your away worth, from self determined. Yeah, your self worth mm. is self-initiated and you kind of move away from having all these like short-term goals all these like like attachments and desires to the external world and you kind of move into just being okay from within you Mm -hmm. and that level of acceptance is really like moving into self-love yeah and these are you know these levels that we've been talking about right now these themes of courage neutrality inspiration willingness acceptance like this is all inner work this is this is what it's all about is having the the courage to look at ourselves oh and when you're able to look at yourself and accept yourself you're also able to accept others so Mm. at this stage not only do you have acceptance for yourself but now you accept diversity you accept you know equality for everybody there's no more prejudice there's no more Mm. issues with whatever it's 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 past live and let live yeah it's way past that it's like it's like you are perfect and whole as you are just because I am, you know, like you're, you're moving into this really radical place of like acceptance for everybody Everybody. as they are. Mm -hmm. And, and therefore respect for everyone, appreciation, appreciation for everyone. It's not even let live and let live. Oh no, it's appreciate. It's 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 officially, it's officially positive now. It's not just neutral. It's like the other side of the scale. Yeah. So before, you know, when you're in these, the more suffering ridden themes, Everything is negative and it's a projection. Everything's wrong, 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 wrong. You, you, you. It's always outside of yourself. And by this point, we are now on the other side of the spectrum where you are amazing. I, I project that onto you. Like I'm projecting positive energy out into the world. And I also am accepting it for myself. Okay. So then kind of keep going here. This stage, the next one is either can be bypassed or becomes of uh, a high fascination to most of our world, and the next would be reason and logic. And this is when we've accepted all this internal emotional control, and now we see the mind as power. We see the mind as the next frontier. And the reason why I say this can be skipped is because, as we talk about this in a few minutes, if you take a spiritual perspective, you can kind of bypass this, in a sense. Because reason and logic eventually is going to hit a limit. So when we are moving into the theme of reason and logic, it's when we are truly the mind as thinker. Like that is like who we believe ourselves to be. Our identity is the, the human mind as the thinker. 
and it's super impressive, right? Like all of the world, great businesses and creations are usually out of reason and logic. Uh, this is analytical thinking. It's intellectual development. You know, this yeah, is all of our, this is all our universities, our scientists, it's philosophy, it's science and medicine, it's mastery of the physical world. It's moving out of being reactionary to our emotional urges mm. and moving into being um, rational about situations yes. and logical about them instead of just being... Not letting emotion control Yeah, like you wouldn't act reactions. out in anger anymore and be irrational. You'd be yeah. like, mm, let me take a moment to pause let and think pause about this. Let me pause and think about this before rationally. I act without thinking, before yeah. I act reactionary, you know, yes. before I just react emotionally. Reason and logic... It's kind of interesting when we get into this theme of reason and logic, our brain chemistry even changes and we are not so driven by our emotional brain, our like reptilian brain. We are actually in like our higher consciousness, our higher brain that is capable of reasoning a situation before it reacts. So there's a delay that happens with our emotions and we're able to process our emotions better. So by this point, our emotions are starting to become something we have control over. We see them actually as, in, like, um, for lack of a better word, inferior or rather distracting, maybe. They're distracting because, like, if anger arises or other negative emotions arise, we see them as, this is not going to benefit me, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to indulge in this. Because that would be very logical, right? Right. So logic says, all these negative emotions don't benefit me. Right. So reason becomes it perfects itself out of just because that's the most logical thing to do yeah so if you're like listening to the inner work podcast and you're like well i love listening to them because it it benefits me and it helps me have a better life like that's a very logical conclusion you know so this is a perfect example of like you enjoy the science or you know like say on our our podcast on pornography maybe you're like oh this is very interesting like all the physiological things i didn't even know about right like if you're drawn to the facts the science the the reason and the logic behind why the inner work benefits your life then that is perfect representation of this theme of consciousness it's the theme of wanting to know it's the theme of wanting knowledge wanting to understand yourself wanting to understand the world and understand others understand the human condition the thing though to get be aware of is that reason itself is not the source of knowledge and wisdom Mm -hmm. it's like a tool and method for understanding and it can only take you so far and i really like something that your teacher says dr hawkins is that when you're stuck in a theme of consciousness of reason you become hyper focused on the tree and you're unable to see the forest Mm, because you're so caught up in details that you lose sight of the whole truth the totality the essence of things Mm -hmm. and you can get just too consumed in the details that you lose sight of the forest and and this is something because we pride ourselves on our reason and Mm -hmm. our logic and especially the western world has done a really good job of priding themselves on don't don't interrupt me i'm thinking it's yeah. a very important thing. I'm not thinking. Or it's just very serious. The Western world just values logic and reason yeah. as the highest, highest form of human evolution when actually and it that's, keeps going. Mm-hmm. 
logic and reason are not the highest forms of human mm-hmm. consciousness. Co- the higher forms of consciousness go into love and peace and enlightenment, mm-hmm. and we're just stopping at. And it's very high. Logic and reason are very high. It's scientific genius. You know, this is Einstein. This is Descartes. This is like great thinkers throughout time. It's Newton. Yeah. You know, like these are all the mathematicians and physicists of our of our time. So if you're someone who is here, which I think a lot of our listeners do, flirt with this, so they wouldn't be listening to this podcast. You like you said, you must have reason and logic in you is that you don't want to get stuck here either and in in someone who's in this place has a hard time seeing that there's even higher levels because they think this is the highest level and they pride themselves on this which what i want to hit on is that when you get to this higher level of reason you might drop yourself down to pride yeah pride is always a pitfall any of these stages right Pride always has to be, that's why I said the real secret in the beginning here is humility. Because even again, to remind you, like, we don't know. We're just yeah. doing the best we can. Even this, like, even the themes of consciousness, like, you know, we're doing the best we can with what we've observed and what we know. Another thing is that if you're stuck in reason and logic, something to be aware of is you're so smart now in reason and logic, you might use your reason and logic to rationalize your other lower consciousness behaviors. Mm, And that's why it could be a little dangerous. You could rationalize why your anger is powerful. Who are you you talking about that? I don't know. (laughs) I once knew this guy who once did this thing where he would use his powerful mind of logic and reason to justify his lower consciousness behaviors. It's very... Very sly. It's, it's very clever. And it and it's it's annoying because the downside of reason is that you can rationalize negativity. anything. So if you're someone and who likes to pretty, argue. Yeah, you, or you are with someone or know someone who likes to argue and they can rationalize and they love to be right. everything. Yeah. That's where this is, and that's the downfall. And we have to transcend reason mm-hmm. and logic. We have to move beyond our minds. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna use our mind to understand and get this far. But then yeah. we have to transcend it. And ironically, you know, reason and logic will eventually transcend itself if it pursues the right thing. So the irony is this, the true scientists of today are tomorrow's mystics in a sense, right? Because as scientists continue to probe into like reality, we look at quantum physics, we look at the study of consciousness and scientists are realizing that thoughts are not even genuinely who they who we are they're actually being given to us from this like infinite quantum field of like potential you could think of it as like a sea of potential and our brains are more so antennas and we're receiving thoughts and scientists are now proving this so but it's like this irony logic and reason the, takes credit and says yeah, i am the one i'm thinking. the thinker and it's like actually in a, from a higher perspective or a deeper reality we are not the thinker. No. And this takes us to the next level. And this is why I say this could be bypassed. Because a spiritual stance is you have a body-mind, yes, but you are not the body-mind. Right. And that is a pivotal transformation. And that's why reason and logic tends to be a sticking point for most humanity is because reason can't see the subjective. Reason only wants it to be objective. And when we transition to this point, we've officially transitioned out of objectivity, tangible, and into the subjective. Like the spiritual experiences of love, you can't measure, you can't quantify, but you certainly know it's real and you certainly experience it. And logic and reason hates that because it's not, it's not tangible, it's not measurable. But these things, gratitude, love, humility, like deep, you know, grace and surrender to God, these powerful experiences that move 
human, like all humanity, right? Like entire religions and billions of people. We follow people who remind us of something so much more beyond reason. And yet reason can't get there. It's really hard for us to let go of ourselves as the thinker and to realize that there is a spiritual reality that is far more powerful and is not measurable. It's not provable. You cannot prove gratitude to someone. You could just be it. You have to just be it. And that is really hard for logic to let go of is that I'm sorry, logic. We can't prove it to you. I'm sorry, reason. Like you got to just like you can't experience love. You can only talk about love. And that's what's crazy is like reason can only talk about things. It can't be them. And that's why we have to transition out of it. So to really experience the next theme of awareness, we have to become it. And the next is genuine love, genuine happiness. This is not provable. This is profound gratitude. This is unconditional compassion, empathy. This is intuition, the unexplainable aspects of life that actually are everything. It's like why we love being human is having these moments of love. And so this is the transition beyond the mind and body. It takes an eternal perspective and our identity is officially more than just I am the mind or I am this body. It's officially like I am an eternal soul and I just am temporarily using a body and a mind. And, and this, is a pivotal, this is a pivotal transition point. I mean, this is, this, this is where we start heading into the saintly. This is where we head into the, the, the genuine, unconditional love of the mother and the child, you know, like of, of saints to, you know, the, the, the humanity. This is when you love everyone and you love yourself completely and utterly. Yeah, moving into love is, is why we're doing the inner work. The whole purpose of doing all of this inner work is so that we move into this higher state of love and what we've believed love to be and what the world has taught us what love is, is actually just um, infatuation and more desire. One of those lower Mm -hmm. levels, lower consciousness levels of desire, Um, being infatuated, temporal satisfaction, um, lust. All of those things are not actual love. What love is, is a moving into, moving away from reason, which focuses on the details and moving into love, which focuses on the wholeness and the totality. Mm, and the essence. The essence. Love focuses on essence. Mm-hmm. And love transcends logic and reason and more so cares about eternal matters rather than it does temporal temporal matters Mm -hmm. sees the bigger picture so this is why we said reason gets stuck looking at the tree rather than seeing the forest in this transition into true like spiritual commitment to love and being a loving person of self and others you are officially deciding to see the forest right you're saying yeah but as a whole this is sure a beautiful thing right like there's a couple crooked trees and like nothing's (laughs) like reason wants it all to be perfect and like well nature didn't do this perfectly you know, when you go beyond reason, you just say, yeah, but isn't it all gorgeous? Yeah, love... It's perfect in its imperfections. Is looking at every situation in its totality Mm -hmm. rather than actually focusing on the surface level of Mm -hmm. the situation at hand. Love is the person who is able to see the level of consciousness of the person that they're dealing with and have empathy and compassion rather than judgment, frustration, and anger and um, projection. Love is full acceptance of everybody and others 
yep, acceptance of self and others, and lives in this state where the world starts to open up and become more beautiful, the day-to-day experience is no longer this one of struggle. When you move into Mm. love, this is what we say, the inner work is expanding your consciousness to true freedom and true happiness, because the whole point is to overcome all of these lower levels of consciousness so that we can move into this higher state of love. When you're living in love, this is the actual true state of uninterrupted joy and true freedom. We do all of this inner work so that we can transcend all of those other levels to finally feel this unconditional love every single day. And when you're living here, the world literally starts to look differently. The world starts to feel differently because you're no longer looking through a lens Mm. of shame. You're no longer looking through a lens of anger. You're looking through a lens of love and imagine what your day-to-day life would look like if that's what the lens you were looking out of. Yeah. And you look at life as a gift. Yeah. I think that's important. Like life becomes a gift because in a state of love, you see that something greater than you this is a full acceptance of a higher power for sure like this is this is like you see that your life is a gift this mind and body is a gift it's not owed to you and therefore your entire life is a statement of wow yeah you're no longer entitled when you're living in wow yeah like love sees the beauty in everything it sees gratitude and like oh my gosh like life is glorious consciousness level from love we move into a higher level joy yeah absolutely we move into joy and joy is kind of what you were just talking about and it perfects itself because at first it's conditional love and it's kind of a remnant and leftover of our upbringing you know like we we only love certain things or we think certain things are beautiful and we deeply appreciate its beauty but until you can like look at the trash on the side of the road or wherever and until it's not just trash anymore and until it becomes a glorious expression of the entire universe being what it is until it becomes the glory of god expressed as creation then like it's not unconditional until the things we think are not lovable are finally lovable then we still have work to do mm-hmm. until we can appreciate every single thing in life the suffering and the triumphs, until we see it all as with like that godly eyes of unconditional love, then we can still continue to perfect it. And that's why it moves into joy as it becomes more unconditional. Right, because then the joy is not a temporal experience anymore like we just talked about when we said that the world and the media has taught us love is this infatuation, love is this, you know, lustful experience, it's this mm. thing to acquire when actually it's a state of living. Yeah, it's a lifestyle, joy it's a way of being. is the same. Joy, true freedom, true happiness is actually a state of being. It's a way of life. And you can live in joy uninterrupted and you get there by falling in love, by falling in love with yourself, by falling yep. in love with life, by falling in love with and God. And it does, and it requires nothing else, everyone. Like, it's just be so important to say that, all of this requires, you'll notice, we've never said that it required anything outside you to change. You nope. do not need to change your job, your relationship, your kids, where you live, what you do. All of this is is all inside. Nothing external needs to actually change. You know, all these themes of evolution happen through internal changes. It's so important to point that out. Salvation is within you. Unconditional love, joy, happiness, bliss like 
spiritual vision, meaning, and, and devotion to your life and trust in something higher than you, trust in a beautiful destiny of life is all inside of you. And it's it not outside of us. it comes through doing inner work and transcending the themes of consciousness where we are stuck. So there's nothing to acquire. There's only things to let go of. Let's let go mm-hmm. of shame. Let's let go of guilt, fear, um, pridefulness, anger. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. let go of apathy. Let go of judgment. Of judgment and, and embarrassment. As we move out of these lower levels of consciousness, we open ourselves up to love. Yeah. We don't it's acquire an al- it's love. It's an allowing. It's an allowing. It's, it's accepting. Accepting love. Accepting that you are lovable enough to be given a good life. You are yeah. loved enough to have a beautiful life. You are allowed to have a beautiful life. You are allowed to love yourself. You are allowed to not judge yourself anymore. You are allowed to be happy. And you're allowed to be at peace, which is the next level. In this higher level of peace, everything is perfect as it is. There's nothing to change outside of yourself. Everything is as it should be. Your peace is uninterrupted because it's now internally rooted. It's not dependent on external circumstances. Mm-hmm. When you're living in peace. All, all things are glorious. I mean, this is enlightenment. The yeah. level of peace is enlightenment. This is this is like eternal innocence. And it's, you know, what what all the great spiritual teachers from Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, to all the modern saints like Ramakrishna... Ramana Marashi, Paramahansa Yogananda, like the list could go on and on. I mean, this is, this is the state of true self-realization that all true spiritual teachers are leading to. This is where you no longer believe you are your identity that you've been playing. I don't, you know, I'm going to believe I'm Ashley and Matthew's not going to believe he's Matthew anymore. We're going to understand that we're a piece of divine creation playing a part in this in this melodrama amongst all our own self yeah and everybody is self everybody is same self and it's all a beautiful divine play and we kind of in that understanding have internal silence now because we're not getting wrapped up in the stories of the mind and the lower levels of consciousness anymore we're just now witnessing observing and experiencing effortlessly like we're watching a beautiful movie Mm -hmm. it is the realization of watching the divine movie yeah and the true self that we are is radically within it's the subjective awareness the very essence of the fact that you can even be alive at all the very essence of existence and trusting that that existence is good that that existence is loved and meaningful and and divinely comforting and it takes it takes faith to kind of jump into that because you're really surrendering everything at that point enlightenment is the the ego has to die. The ego cannot become enlightened, right? Like the ego does not get to be enlightened. Enlightenment is of the true self. It's just who we are. So enlightenment is more so a remembrance of our true self, whereas the ego is what we need to let go of. (laughs) The false self, you know, to become your true self, you don't have to become anything. You just need to let go of what is not true. Let go of what is not true. And we return back to this state of silence and serenity and just unperturbed bliss unperturbed bliss. you know just pure joy and seeing everything as it truly is yeah this, this is divine the, creation this divine unexplained unasked the isness. expression this everything just is where no judgment is allowed or possible because everything just is perfect in all of its seeming imperfection like 
everything is gloriously perfect. And I would say even in this state, this is where you start experiencing through the eyes of all others and through the eyes mm. of everything that's looking at you. You're looking mm. at yourself like you're, you're all the self. self and you're able to see experience through the lens of, of all view mm. vantage points. And, and you just have pure love for pure it all. Pure love and pure and peace. Compassion and compassion and peace. None of it is personal. None of it is actually hurting you. None of you can't get hurt here. You're no longer drawn into the the surface level situations because And suffering is not possible anymore. No. Because suffering only comes from the ego. Suffering only comes from forgetting who we really are. Whereas these concepts of self realization and enlightenment are a true remembrance of who you really are. And when we truly remember who we really are, there is no more suffering. We've we're finally returned. It's all home. just an experience. Mm. So these are the levels mm. and um, themes of consciousness that we all traverse and go through through our lifetime. Welcome and to being human. Welcome to being human. <laughs> and the part, the thing about the inner work is you have to understand these themes of consciousness so that you can even do the inner work. Because if you don't understand them, doing inner work is near impossible. Because as you start to do self-inquiry and look at what's really going on you'll start to become aware of patterns and these patterns are these themes of consciousness you'll Mm. start to see "Mm, same i have a pattern of anger pattern of shame a pattern of fear Mm -hmm. and you can only heal these things through awareness so and then figuring out their root and just like we said you know that's a process like we said you identify you separate and you replace you know you, you go through a process of healing and letting go yeah. It's not about acquiring anything. It's not about acquiring enlightenment. It's letting it's go of the not peace. truth. Because all about... of these things that we are living in lower states of consciousness, lower themes, that was all acquired untruth. Mm. And we have to get to the point where we realize like that is not true. Like embarrassment is not true. Judging and, and other never, people. And never will be. Judging myself. Like needing to be a certain status. Like none of this is true. And if I think that it's going to fulfill me, like I'm going to perpetually stay in this state of not wholeness. Um, and it's really just letting go of the not truth in order to accept the truth. So it's it's self-analysis to realize that we've acquired and adopted untruths. Mm-hmm. And and have compassion because we all inherited it yeah and until like humanity is enlightened as a species we would imagine that this will keep being this way so what do you do with this you hopefully have written these down um taken some notes and you can always go back and listen and reflect is start to become aware of the patterns within your own lives when you have a reaction to anything any stimulus a situation another person an expectation, whatever is going on in your life, small or large, it could be the smallest thing from me breaking a cup. (laughs) Just become aware of your auto-response reaction and see if you can identify which theme of consciousness your reaction is placed in. Mm. That's the first step. Because mm-hmm. now you know where your work is. Yeah, and then pay attention to your triggers. Pay attention words. to other people that you love. You don't need to bring it to their attention, but maybe this will help you have compassion and empathy. Because instead of believing everything they're saying is true, if someone's being angry at you, just take a pause and be like, "Hmm, this is coming from you know the consciousness level of anger. Like this person is suffering from anger, hence their reaction is rooted in anger. Like I'm not mm-hmm. going to take this so personally." Yeah, and it so. helps you start to see yourself and others very differently. Yeah. 
and a lot more uh, compassionately and more empathetically. Yeah. So thanks for hanging in there with us, guys. It's that a was, long one. We went ahead and just shared it all. Um, that is this kind of fun progression in themes of consciousness that we found to be extremely helpful. And we hope you enjoyed and stayed with us. It's so amazing. We hope that this will bring you so much like greater growth and peace and happiness. Matt, I want to give you a high five because that was like... <laughs> that, was, that was epic. That was that epic. Was, that was cool. So I really hope that you guys enjoy and and let us know. You know, find us either on Instagram or on Facebook and comment and keep the conversation going. Oh, yeah. The inner work group. Like there's so many amazing people in the inner work group. So if you go into Facebook and go the inner work community, I think it's just actually the inner work now on it's a Facebook group. Just search groups, search the inner work, join our group and start a discussion, ask questions. Join the group. This and is universal, guys. We're all. Let's talk if about you it. are human, we're all going through this. Yeah, ask <laughs> this is, questions. This is, this is humanity. We can help we're each all other. going through these themes of consciousness in different ways. It doesn't matter where we are in the world or what our upbringing or, or backgrounds. Like all humanity is going through the same evolution. Yeah. So <laughs> we're that's all in it. it together. We'll see you inside the group, and we. Yes, to welcome back you. to season two. Woo-hoo! And like we said, we have so many amazing guests still coming. Yeah, and, we have. Oh, it's gonna be fun. We have a descendant from the Paramahansa Yogananda the lineage realization fellowship. Yep, and she's going to come on and talk uh, loads about her new book and finding true freedom, mm. true happiness, using the tools of basically inner work and self realization and the yoga principles to yep. unlock everything we've been talking about in that yep. work. So. Yoga is the science of self-realization. So That's what Paramahansa stay tuned. says. I'm so excited. If you don't know who Paramahansa Yogananda is, go look up Autobiography of a Yogi because um, this book is life-changing and all of his work is life-changing. And I think uh, I read, it was even Steve Jobs who had this, this was the only book he had on his iPad when he when he passed away was Autobiography of a Yogi from Paramahansa Yogananda. His work is so revolutionary and we're really excited to have a special guest come on who is a direct descendant of his teachings. So stay tuned for our next podcast. Until then, guys, we love you so much. Namaste. Namaste.